What's going on, y'all? This is the Get Up Podcast. Get up. We are here at PVA Studios. We have myself, DJ Bell. We have Pharaoh, and Bell. we have S. Dot. Say what up, y'all? Yo, what's going on? What's going on? How was everybody's weekend? Can't believe it's damn near almost September's almost done. Dude. <laughs> Over. <laughs> The fall is you here. Believe that come. shit. Like I mean, it was hot last week, though. I mean, not hot. I mean, it was. It was. was a, it was nice weather. Days, it was yeah. nice. That's that's what I call. That's what I call nice. Um, but yeah, no, it was a busy weekend for me. I had Sweet Sixteen to do. Nice money. DJ that. Yeah. Uh, it was just a little elementary school shit. And then Saturday, I you know just went. Um, there was a, actually a DJ DJ catch one who was um, just playing at this fashion show. That fashion show that you uh, Snapchatted me, Pharaoh. Oh yeah, that's yeah, was yeah. That was, that was dope. That was a good time. That um, good. Yeah, yeah. That was more or less just building. Uh, you know, I wasn't even get. I just went there. Woke up in the more early morning and went there. And then Sunday was more bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs so yeah so it's been good what about you s dot what you end up doing did it, it seem like you went to you got some some asian food or some shit so what I, oh I was, no I, was, I uh i just went to i saw your ig <laughs> ig post Nah, i went to um i just went to a puto a puto with my girl um the place that makes the ramen noodles okay i don't um, know about it but Oh really? It's yeah, like one man, of the most famous. It's like the best ramen noodles in where is the best. Where is it at? <laughs> it's um, what is it? It's is it Midtown? Because there's something. No, there's no, it's around, like there's one in Midtown. There's one around like 14th Street. I think I may have went to the one in Midtown. Oh, okay, because yeah. there's one. There's a thing that I went to that's like I don't know. My coworkers were telling me about it. I want to start. I think this is what I actually want us to do next summer if we can. And we do like the get up uh, food segment type shit. And we go to these we food restaurants. Go to food festival. We got to do that. <laughs> we got to do that. All right. So that's that's I in the mean, books. <laughs> another thing I did. Another thing I did is I went to this um, international conference on sustainability. And I, I saw, saw the. Yeah, I did see that. How was that? It was really great. I saw the, the president of Ghana. His name is uh, Nana Akufu Adu. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. He was talking about how, so, supposedly Ghana and, like, this other country are responsible for, like, 60% of the cocoa production in the world. And Brazil? Huh? Would it be, like, No, no, South no. It's, like another, it's, a, it's another, another African, African country. Af- okay. Um, and he says, like, so they produce 60% of the cocoa in the world, and that amounts to, like, 3 or $4 billion. The, the national, you know, chocolate market is worth somewhere over $100 billion. Damn. So they produce 60% of the cocoa in the world, and they only net 5% of the profit. Mm. Um, so he was talking about how... How is that possible? Um, because basically, they, their, their economy is built off of um, natural resources. So all they can do is sell the natural resource. All right. They don't... I, add any value to it oh, so you okay. take the cocoa beans you sell them for two dollars to godiva godiva puts godiva on it makes exactly. it into chocolate bars that but that's a value add and yeah. they can charge you twenty dollars for I it gotcha. so you're gonna get five percent of the market so okay. he was just talking about like some of these issues and how they're kind of one of the things i thought was interesting was there were a lot of people from europe there and they all kept talking about the changing in leadership from america to other parts of the world okay so you kind of got to see how trump mm. is you know affecting our image within the the west of the, and I'm glad that you bring society. that up. And I know, Farrah, we did say that we were going to actually go a different direction, but we're just going to go right into it because S. Dot already brought it up. No, so he, I, he gave the alley oop. No, he, he gave the alley oop just now. This is the, that was a perfect That's entrance. Not the alley. That's the alley. Come on, that was a perfect yeah. entrance, and we're going to follow it. So, um,. The UN. Uh, so, S. Dot, tell us more about Trumpito and the UN, this UN. Uh, Uh, (laughs) like of course spewing dumb shit again i just don't understand yeah i mean um so he he gave his first major speech on like the world stage by giving the speech at the un today and well obama's if you look at obama's last speech it was much more in the the lens of international cooperation and us working together and kind of doing all these things yeah um trump's speech was the complete opposite yeah um he America wants first. everybody yeah no yeah no, don't touch me but yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be involved in all your stuff but you you can't be involved in ours so we're pulling out of all the agreements you know the iran deal the everything. paris call everything yeah. we're pulling out all of that we don't agree with anybody because um, america's not getting their fair share That's yeah i mean it's a is that true pharaoh do you think is that true like have you is that something that um 
that America is not getting their fair share in these deals, these like international we, deals. We both we usually sponsor the majority of the funding for most of these deals, and typically we have to do most of the fucking work. So yeah, for internationally, yeah, NAFTA. I mean, not NAFTA. NATO. 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 Oh NATO. my goodness! Please, <laughs> what is NATO without America? Nothing. So I mean, yeah. So what more? What more? What uh, did he say at uh, at this the UN conference again? I mean, other than you know insulting every other nation. Um, and they, he, I heard they just said they were like stone faced. That you know nothing was. Uh, yeah, it was just a blank. Yeah, you know, he's a buffoon. But the the most uh, consequential, I guess, thing you could say that he said was that. Um, he would completely destroy North Korea. He did say um, that. Yeah, if they kind of continued on this path. And it's, you know, it's just one of those situations where, like, I don't think he understands the gravity of the situation, that it's not one of those, like, quick kind of um, be home by Christmas type campaigns that would happen if we went to war with North Korea. I mean, yeah. it, it would be... Um, it would be bad. Disastrous. Especially uh, if China didn't agree to it. Yeah, I mean, like, if you, um, like, yeah, the reason why we lost uh, the Korean War in the first place was because China decided that wasn't going to happen and um, sent in a lot of their troops. And also, like, I think kind of even like Steve Bannon said it best. He was like, if you can tell me how there won't be three million casualties in Seoul, you know, South Korea within the first 30 minutes of the invasion, then you can tell me how the military option is going to work. And nice. actually, let's, so. and I'm glad that you brought <laughs> nice. Steve Bannon up. So let's go into that, um, into that 60 minutes uh, again that he just did. Because we didn't, I don't think we talked about, did we speak about that last, we last week? Yeah, I mean, we talked to... All right, we did. Okay, okay. So I was just about to say that. But one thing that I do want to say, kind of after thinking about, you know, certain points, kind of just, you know, going off that, but um, that he he was, like, very authentic. Like, he was, like, his true self. Like, and He's I there's something that... Fake. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't that, think that's that what true. anyone would yeah. ever say about Bannon. About Steve Bannon. That's <laughs> He's definitely genuinely feeling the way he fucking feels. <laughs> he's consistent he's very very um has the ideology so, sticking to it would you say that kim jong-un is very consistent with these missile uh these missile fires over japan Korean's and shit political state has been consistent for you like you you have to say that these motherfuckers seeing, are really consistent yeah, like this motherfucker is not how is the son any different than the father so what was this last miss this was on friday this past friday yeah yeah that was what the 16th whatever the shit is one thing i kind of thought was interesting was that i was reading an article where he said that so trump wants to pull out of the iranian nuclear deal and he do was you like know about that like what's do you know kind of particulars about anybody uh, anybody i don't and not to do any major like research or funding in their nuclear program for like 10 years and they have to follow a certain sort of regulations if they want to use the nuclear waste for energy right yep. yeah and you know we get to send inspectors to inspect things and all that kind of good stuff um to make sure they're not weaponizing um, yeah uranium but so they want to pull out of that because they're like, oh, you can't trust Iran. What we have to do is put more sanctions like that's working with North Korea. Um, yeah. So like one of the things that they said was like, if you if you look at the Iranian nuclear deal and we pull out of it, all the signals to the North Koreans is that there is no deal with the U.S. We make a deal and then we'll pull out of it next month. Yeah. So why would they make a deal? What they're going to do is keep enriching uranium and making more bombs because obviously any deal that they have with us is subject to the whims of the next president. I got you. So like him wanting to do both things is just not going to work. You know, like we, yeah. it's, it's, um, you have to stay in the Iranian deal and you also have to find a way to negotiate with North Korea. So Cause if this, you do this one just lip service, of course, that, that Donald Trump is, uh, is continuing to do because i mean it's everything everything and everything has been everything has been i'm going to i'm going to do this and this is what's going to happen and then it just and then he backs out on it and steve bannon did say that uh i think d did tell him um to kind of uh uh what's the word more or less like renege on like on like what he said like double down on on his statements or whatever the case is yeah, I mean, he, um, you know, they both favor strength. So, yeah. you know, don't back away from anything you say, double yeah. down, you know, stick to it. Um, but I think anytime somebody kind of brings the reality to him, like the war with North Korea is not going to be a quick and easy That's war. That's not, because, and he said that he was going to destroy them. What, what was the, what was the statement that he, that he made? I don't have the exact same name. It was basically, he, he said, would like wipe them from the planet. Like he yeah. would destroy them. And like, you can't, 
You can't do that. And what he called and what he called Kim Jong Un? What was it? Ms. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocket Man. And this is and this is of course just low. This is in petty. this is in front of the UN. The UN, which is major leaders uh, around the world from around the world. Yeah. yeah. And he's and he's, uh, st- uh, I would say, stooping down. Or showing his showing his inner immature child. If North Korea was having the same amount of drills, and we had someone else in the office, they would be forced to make a strong statement. Mm. It's just Trump's strong statement is ignorant and dumb. Yeah, like it's the strong statement. Yeah, you're supposed to have. But presented in a wrong way. I mean, it's just it's a incoherent strategy. It'd be one thing if this was part of this grand strategy he had to corral the North Koreans into a corner, but it's just like him yelling about stuff that he can't do. Yep. Like if you launch a preemptive strike against North Korea, they're gonna nuke South Korea the next second. They're gonna nuke nuke within moments. Yeah, Japan's next into like. Even if we launch all of our nuclear weapons towards there, you wouldn't hit all of their nuclear capability, and they'd just be left with these short-range ones that they kill all their neighbors with. Damn. So, like, it's and and so the shit that he said, yeah, exactly. And I just, I mean, and I we have thirty thousand yeah. U.S. troops, like in Seoul, in Seoul. And so, you're like, over here, thirty thousand yeah. Americans gone. Yeah, you know, like, so it's like he can yell all this stuff, but everybody knows it's not true. And the more he yells it, the more it makes them more aggressive. So, talking about nat- like disasters, not natural disasters, but talking about disasters <laughs> and, blow- and blowing things up. Uh, London last week uh, actually had that um, had an uh, explosion in uh, one of the train tunnels. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Good thing there's no fatalities, but uh, I think they're still looking for the people for whoever. Whoever blew up the. Yeah, I think they're on to I think some leads or whatever. But it's kind of odd nowadays. Like the the bombers are staying alive. Like remember, like right after nine eleven, and for years after, they would always, um, you know, be suicide bombers. They would kill themselves. They would kill themselves. These people like laying bombs out, running. Notice that, yeah. Um, That thing is a long game. They're in a war now. (laughs) Yeah, they're actually war. Before it was like murder. I'm going to be a martyr. Now they're literally at war with the West, and it's not helping. And of course, Cheeto Man is is not helping. But uh, and just you know, almost talking about war and and so forth, but. Here, domestically, I don't know if you guys heard in Spokane, Washington, uh, there was a school shooting. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah. Was it one like- died. One, uh, one died. And um, where was this? In Spokane, Washington. Or Seattle. Shoot. No, no. Washington. Sorry. Spokane. Bumblefuck part of America. Yeah. But Spokane. It's in Washington. It's in Washington. And um, I want to say this was like a high school. It may have been like, yeah, high school, I think. Eight, would, I think this kid was a sophomore, and he um, he went into school and he he brought a handgun like a nine millimeter and then an assault rifle, and apparently he brought it on the bus, and so he took the bus, so he brought it on the bus, brought it to school. Uh, he was about to apparently kill some guy that was bullying him, uh, so he you know I attempted to fire the assault rifle and and that jammed so then apparently he shot one kid i think the kid that he wanted to that he was going to for he shot, shot him shot him in the stomach it. and the face oh shit and he um, shot his bully he shot his bully and then ended up uh, you know accidentally well not accident but shooting other um kids that um apparently they said that they were critical um but they all were, you know, went to the hospital, and it was a as a custodian who um, who who jumped on uh, jumped on him, knocked the gun out of him, out of his hands. Oh. Isn't that something? He was the hero. So the, I mean, right now it's it's really it's New York has the toughest uh, gun regulation laws. In regards to guns, like, and granted, you know, Spokane, Washington, and granted, everybody and here, sitting here could probably get a gun quicker than they can get a loan. Oh, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Illegally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm. It's. You know who asked? It really <laughs> wouldn't win. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, I, but like Washington, Washington is like a liberal uh, state, though, right? It is. You know, so they probably do have some kind of. I would of say gun parts laws. of it. I, yeah. You know, um, so it's one of those things where, you know, I think the whole nation kind of needs to get on board like they did in like Australia where they were like, you know, after the shooting, they were like, you know, we're taking away all the guns because like I I get why some states are like, (laughs) 
Yeah, I just get why some states are like, if there's liberal laws on, and I don't mean like liberal, like in the class of states, I mean like, you know, you allow everybody to buy guns in one state and then your state is strict. All it does is allow people to go to the other state, buy guns and bring them back into your state illegally. Yeah. So like, I think it's something that everybody needs to be on board with, you know, this idea that of- That and marijuana. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, really? That. Stop? You really are that on this? Yeah, yeah, you're getting rid of all the guns? Stop. Um, throw that then, in the bill. Like, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing you could do to this country. Also, um, You'd have a tyrant in less than 20 years. Can we also talk about the dumbest things that c- they can do to this country in regards to the, these Republicans recently with their... Uh, with this new health care bill, Lindsey Graham leading the charge, trying to adopt or trying to throw another uh, health care bill uh, into the mix. They apparently um, have to, of course, beat the September 30th deadline for the Democrats to filibuster, I want to say, if I read correctly. Yeah, before correct September wrong. 30th, they yeah. only need 50 votes. After that, they need 60 votes, which so, would mean they need Democrats, and that's not happening. And that's not happening. So now they're trying to um, see if they can change the mind of uh, the Republican, the uh, lady Republican um, senator um, in Alaska. Oh, uh, McCaskey? Yeah, they're trying to see if they can change her, persuade her by, you know, either paying her off or whatever the case may be. Um, and then they're also trying to get John McCain. They're trying to, they have to change his mind. <laughs> so he doesn't know, like, what, you know, what he's going to do. But I think somebody, like, in his camp came, uh, came out in, you know, uh, do, do you know in sc- agreement to the, to <laughs> Lindsey Graham's. Do you know what scares me about this? What? <laughs> Is that like Lindsey Graham and like um, McCain are like, like best friends? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like weird, odd, you know. And you know what? Lindsey Graham doesn't have a, a wife or kids. You can make whatever you want to make out of that. So the shade, family. Um, but yeah, so like it, that that scares me because that could get you know McCain on board. Um, so you would need somebody else to come up come against it and you know um the other the other senators are male and they're they're weak and um, they don't have they don't know what will um what this bill will do they're just voting for it just to vote for it the cbo said they can only uh, put out a preliminary um evaluation of uh I mean, they, they know what it's going to do. They just don't know the exact consequences. Consequences, yeah. They don't but have, yeah, exact if, numbers. Yeah, if you take away, you mean, if you take away the Medicaid expansion, you take away... Um, yeah, they don't care. You know, protection for pre-existing conditions. You take away the individual mandate. All the worst parts of all the other bills, you're going to have 30 to, like, 40 million and people them, off of insurance. And them doing this a little bit... Them, them doing this so close to uh, the 2018 election, I think that could have negative uh, consequences for the Republicans. I mean, Obama I know Farrell g- doesn't agree. <laughs> the Senate may change. I will give you the Senate might change, but that's it. Hmm. That's it. That's I still it. think. I mean, at least we have it record might of this. Change. Oh, so he says the Senate might change. I 50, think there's. 50? I don't know about the Senate. I think the House will change. How? There's not enough seats and contestants. In, in up for grabs I, in I enough disagree. contested <laughs> districts I, I disagree i think if but i mean we've had this question before so yeah. i think it's just kind of like yeah. a we just had to wait and we got to wait it out you know when <laughs> and it's too far we haven't really had any primaries or anything yet. yeah so so we're gonna have Let's to <laughs> maybe some couple rising democratic stars might pop out of the woodwork <laughs> but you know i'm not gonna sell myself liberal oh no <laughs> He, uh, what was that? East East the Jesus, wettest, the East Jesus, <laughs> the wettest of liberal dreams. <laughs> win the fucking house. I don't see how you deal with the gerrymandering. That's really the thing. I mean, that's enough. That should. Yeah, be I think a, the gerrymandering makes it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. So, um, I mean, I know we didn't want to. So we're not going to talk about Apple and the iPhone. I'm just going to just add that. You were, <laughs> I had to say it. You know, they, had had, they don't it. know the, the conversation beforehand, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so um, see, uh, actually, so there's three women. I don't know if you guys heard, but there's three women that are suing Google over gender discrimination. Um, they did it. Yeah, they're saying that they're actually saying that it's uh, they their lawyers uh, actually found some substantial um, documentation to back up um, the reason for this lawsuit. I'm actually just uh, trying to scroll through it right now. Um, 
and in, in regards to like what they found but i'm just like damn i mean you know this, why is, this is this funny? Is huge because of course google pays women less liberal men are only conservative in public I mean, only <laughs> behind closed door. All those liberal men are hella conservative. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that is. Pay a- Becky the same as Mark. <laughs> Mark gotta support all those kids. What? But Becky's a single mom. Fuck Becky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because guys can just you know code better i mean this is just data that they have you know they did the research you know so they understand that you know males are better so yes. they got to pay they them said, um they said that uh so this late i'm joking people don't yeah quote don't, me on that yeah, like, don't that was definitely really a mock <laughs> google ceo meeting where they didn't invite the girls we should have prepped that before we started the skit i can see the memes already just said cut <laughs> <laughs> Spencer believes. Fuck Spencer. S dot S dot believes this. S dot believes this. You know. So yeah, good thing. Put a disclaimer out there. But um, it's saying so. Elise and her two fellow plaintiffs claim to uh, represent all women employed by Google and are seeking a, uh, a jury all trial. All women. All women of Google. They say the class action case will draw on the Department of Labor's recent analysis, which found between six and seven standard deviations between wage rates of men and women based on a snapshot of the salaries of 21,000 workers at Google's Mountain View headquarters. Damn. You said six to seven? Six to seven. Out of 20. Six and seven standard deviations? Between six and seven, yeah, between six and seven, seven standard deviations between wage rates, uh, wage rates of men and women based on snapshots you, of salaries of 21,000. Thousand people. You only need like three, yeah, to to yeah. to have prove yeah. like scientific. So uh, they definitely have yeah, seven. We're gonna, we're Even by Google's own analysis, <laughs> yeah. they fucked. They saw those numbers were like <laughs> uh, based on the okay, recent Google, numbers. Can you? We're gonna me? lose this lawsuit. Okay, okay, Google. Can you tell me how fucked you are? <laughs> we are really fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's a seven standard deviation. Settle, settle now, settle now. <laughs> Pay what, them the money now. What's the that, number? You want what's two the million, number? three million. Yeah. What's your million? Just yeah. as many deviations. Seven. <laughs> One million for each deviation? I think that's fair. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, see, well, I mean, we're going to yeah, we're, we're see exactly uh, <laughs> we're gonna see exactly what happens there. But um, kind of also just talking about, like, devastations and disasters. We have another hurricane coming up right now. Like, Isn't Jose on his way? No, Maria. Well, Jose is like off the coast right now. Is like that's why it's like, is it really of oh, New York? Like shit, that's why it's I didn't raining. Even know that man. Ah, oh, damn. Jose is right out here right now oh, making the rain. Shit. And you talking about Maria? Oh, we know where your mind's at. Oh, I didn't even know. There's so yo Maria, 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 Maria. <laughs> it's the wild West Side Story. Yeah. Um, with my nasal ass right now, but um, <laughs> yeah. So there's so many different hurricanes right now. And I can't do anything but laugh because it's just like, what the fuck? They run in the train on the What the fuck? Like, th- I think they're saying right now that this is it's this historic. Like, this uh, has not happened. There hasn't been this many, this strong one, this strong hurricanes, these strong hurricanes. Yeah, I was. I was and the amount of them in one season. I was, Atlantic, telling from the my, I was telling my sister, I was like, with the amount of hurricanes hitting the, the Caribbean, I don't know how much longer that place is going to be livable. They're not, they're, <laughs> right, yeah. No, it's true. Like, like think about it. It's like, true. if you get hit with two Category 5s every year, how do you live there? Barbuda, uh, Barbuda is, it was uh, 100% damn near inhabitable. You know, and like that was, and that's the, and that thing is going, and Maria is gonna, I think it's, it's gonna hit them again. It's, it's slamming into Puerto Rico now, so that the the so you didn't even get the, a chance to the Virgin Islands. No, yeah. no time, nothing. And so motherfuckers you know. had like three, four days, and then they're like, "Damn, you know what?" Oh, low key, this is pretty there a lot. Yo, <laughs> if there was a map and it was just like Jose, like what, they get three days Maria, of storms, yeah. what, week, two weeks of storms, and these storms, yeah. and then it's pretty all the and rest. And these of the storms year. aren't just storms; these are 180, 160 mile per hour winds. Yeah, like Category Five. They said like, the shit. I remember. The I remember last <laughs> week or two weeks. Actually, it was like last week. They um, they said, "Oh, th- you know, Maria is, is is way out, but we're gonna see what happens." And that shit was like, I think they said it was from like. 
I, it was like 90 mile per hour winds to like 100 mile per hour winds. So I'm like, oh shit, this thing is like picking up. Now this week, oh shit, this thing is like going through and it's about to go up. I think they're predicting going up. Um, oh, it's coming up the coast. It's too? coming up. That shit. Like, Dang, I think first they, we got Jose. Oh, now we get shit. Maria. And it, I think, I know New York, we're definitely about to get, you know, some residual. I'm of, glad I uh, live on the top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yo, you can't live in those lowlands you anymore, man. can't live man. on the lowlands. I'm so now, now anybody who's, uh, who's getting, um, who's buying houses, you better make sure that you check all that shit. They, make, sure Flood zones. make sure they're at least 50 feet above sea level. You're damn right. <laughs> I like, think that's what right. the scientists are saying. The sea level is going to rise about 50 feet. Something like that's that. Good, that's that's going to be one of, like, the leading... Um, you know, uh, filters for this, you know, for a house, for uh, people looking for houses, like home buyers, like, all right, we need it to be oh, over stuff. 50 feet, you know, <laughs> above sea level. <laughs> I mean, for real, like, honestly, like, if you look at somewhere like Miami, I mean, most of Miami is below five feet above sea level. Yeah. So if the water, you know, raises two or three feet, half of that place is underwater. Like, you know, like you can't, I don't know how much longer if you keep getting hit with these hurricanes, places like Miami are going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going true. there this weekend, so I got to celebrate it until, you know, it's gone. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tried to get down there before, you know. It's <laughs> Mother, Nature, I, yeah. Mother's Nature said, y'all having too much fun. <laughs> Take out the trucks. <laughs> y'all partying. But that's fair, Mother Nature right now. But fair, weren't you saying that, uh, that Mother Nature right now is just correcting itself? Do you think that that's actually happening right now? Yeah, she's like, you're having too much fun. Yeah. You're partying the Car- No more Caribbean. You're, you're fucking me up. Yeah. <laughs> Take out the trash. <laughs> Clean me up. Oh, Carnival was lit this year? Carnival was lit. Carnival was lit. <laughs> we'll be having Carnival next year. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, Houston's um, up and coming. Mm. <laughs> it's but up also, and underwater now. But also, I mean, um, kind of going now to the positivity, because I mean, the natural disasters, again, people, uh, to our listeners, make sure that you continue to donate uh, to uh, Hurricane um, uh, Irma and Hurricane Harvey uh, victims, um, and just making sure to uh, continue to support Americans. Um, But... I also just wanted to, you know, big up uh, in regards to the Emmys. Granted, I did see uh, an article that did say that it's like a little too late for the Emmys to be giving, you know, (laughs) you know, to now to be representing or, you know, showing this much. uh, Would you want to call it gratification or, you know, whatever the case is? Yeah, in regards to Emmys. They're only doing that because y'all complained. That's what I don't believe in watching Emmys in the first place. Childish Gambino, Donald Glover said that too. First, you complained about them not doing. It yeah. now they're doing it, and you're complaining about oh, they're doing it now. Uh, you can't win, you with can't you. have both sides. You can't win, you can't have both. They're sides. only doing it because you started the Oscar so white thing, yeah. They didn't like <laughs> the, the white liberals were like, I can't, I can't yeah. be a part of that, and everything that's <laughs> happening right now with uh, with that. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I mean, um, I, I thought but shout out time, to Donald Glover though, um, he I deserved was, it, yeah, like reading, um. You know about the Oscars so white thing, yeah. And they were saying how like if you look over the past like maybe ten, twelve years, African Americans are, are fully represented yeah. at those shows. Okay, it's everybody else who is underrepresented. So, so there's all no the cultures like Asian. Yeah, there's no Asians. Yeah, there's no Spanish yeah, people. There's yeah. no whatever. Well, and they I haven't kind learned, of they haven't learned how to complain like black people. Yeah, I'm like y- y'all don't show up with the movement. <laughs> y'all like all these black people are complaining. They're you know, starting to learn. You need to jump on the the bandwagon and be out there with the protests. <laughs> yeah, learn to be offended. <laughs> yeah, be offended. Oh. <laughs> You didn't see us color folk produce movies this year? <laughs> you must be out your cotton picking mind. <laughs> you guys are too much. So white. <laughs> you guys are too much. But, but I mean, truth, right, right now, our, Hispa- our Hispanics, our Latinos, Latinas, I know they, they're raising hell because of DACA. I didn't hear anything more about it. I mean, I don't think there has been anything new I about mean, that. Yet. Besides the flip floppiness of Trump on of it. Of Trump on it, yeah. And Nothing. oh, didn't he just come out um and say about um the Nancy Pelosi? Did you guys hear about that? The Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer thing? No. Uh, he uh he came back he they came back and reneged and said that oh um like what was the what was the agreement that we talked about in our last podcast? Um I mean they just um said that they were going to protect the dreamers and they were going to And Trump to said that he didn't say build that. The wall. Trump said he didn't say that. And he said that it's currently Cuz they were burning right MAGA hats. You yeah. saw that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, like people what? were burning that 
their hats. Oh, like they yeah. were really. They I were mean, I don't really know if it was because angry. of that, but I do yeah, know. No, that. no, it was because of that. It's because he was flip flopping on immigration. Yeah, exactly they don't care about anything else. Uh, but don't let no more Mexicans in. Yeah, yeah. They when you flip flopped on that, they they really are like nah. So I feel like that's really Trump's base's only real thing he has to keep. Yeah, what? just make sure you get rid of some of the Mexicans, and he'll keep his base. All yeah. he really has to do is start. Is keep doing what Obama's doing and just report it. Yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> just like Obama it, never yeah. talks about how many people he was actually deporting and whatnot. But if he actually talks about it and keeps the numbers at the same, yeah. he'll win his reelection, bro. Mm. I mean that was our that was like our first podcast when you know we were yeah, talking about how happened. many yeah. people he was deporting. Like he was not No, Obama was the deporter in chief. Like <laughs> oh, shit. people say that shit, but like no real talk. I think yeah. he deported more more illegals than any other person. <laughs> Deporter and drone striker in chief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Papa, they don't tell you about it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Yo, no, that used to be the no, thing no. that used to annoy me to oh, death. No. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I would always no. say that. Can, like, we, can we talk bad. about, can we talk about, can Barry. we talk about why Hillary Clinton just won't go the fuck away? <laughs> well, she just she's, came out with a book this past she's week. She's back. All she's doing is ensuring the Trump wins. Run. People hate her. Yeah, she needs like to her. go away. All she does is make Trump supporters get like, fuck Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and now they're back in the fold, out here and shit, getting shored up for the twenty ne- the next election cycle. Yeah. It's too much. She needs to go away and shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, not because she's a woman or any kind of masculine shit, yeah. because you're bad for America. Or democracy right now. You're horrible for yeah. our democracy. Please yeah. go away. Yeah. Please. Because people don't like you that much. Yeah. Like, like, you will yeah. literally fuck us up and Trump will get like this. Like, just yeah. go away. Yeah. Not because you haven't done great things, you're not a great person, all that shit's cool, but please go away. You're going to fuck our shit up. Yeah. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. Th- um, yeah, go ahead. Esther. No, I was going to say, I think everybody from that campaign needs to go away. And I think, I mean, you know, I love Bernie to death, but I feel uh, like... No, I think, no, Bernie, I think Bernie needs to stay. No, he needs I, to stay. I, I don't know, I, you yeah, know, I because agree. like the, part of the problem within He's the... all they have right now. I think part of the problem within the Democratic Party is there's still this like Bernie versus Hillary type thing going on. And with both of them still trying to keep themselves in the public eye, you kind of reinforce that narrative. And I just want that narrative to go away. I just yes, want fresh faces. But Bernie's a fucking senator. Hillary Clinton is currently what? Exactly. <laughs> Bernie Sanders should the be shade. in the fucking news Shots. and pow, should pow, be pow. holding Democrats responsible. He was just on their ticket and he's an active senator. Yeah. He's Hillary not a Clinton Democrat. is it doesn't matter. It does. I mean, if you want Democrats to win, somebody who's not in the Democratic Party yes, fucking up your but party Democrat, and dividing it up. No, but Democrats <laughs> need to bring any outside person in because they can't win with what they got. They can't. You if they could have, they would have won with now Hillary. Now you have Kamala Harris. There are people, a lot of people are thinking her. She Corey is not Booker. going to run for the president of the United States. Cory Booker. Booker? Maybe. But I don't Who think else? he's going to do it. No? I really don't. Like, I I think he have a good shot. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think Cookie, Cory, Cory Booker is an amazing Bernie's too old to, politician. To I mean, he's not too old. He's like, not yeah. too old. He's from Vermont. They live forever up there. They smoke as long as they don't do that... They know that's what they they smoking that weed. You no, know? they got a heroin problem. Oh there. yeah, no, they do. Yeah, I, actually, I just watched this uh, Netflix no, thing um, called Heroin. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting. But um, <laughs> to actually get off that get off that topic. Um, so yeah, so um, shout out to Lupe Fiasco. Um, today is eleven years uh, of food and liquor. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, eleven oh, God, years. What? Uh, Lupe Fiasco, uh, food and liquor, kick push. Lupe Fiasco, 06. Damn, Pharaoh. That was uh That was that, that was, was a, a that was a dope ass. Come on now. Kick push. Come on now. I know you heard it. Maybe. But anyway, so shout out to Lupe Fiasco. Um sound yeah. like a skateboarder song. Yeah, well, kind of. I don't skateboard too fast. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. But uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Um, there's actually a song that I just came across um, today, and it was so damn dope, um, by an artist named Shim. And um, the title of the song is I. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break really quick. All right, thank
This is the Get Up Podcast. We are back again. That was an artist named Shim, um, S-H question mark M. Um, and uh, the, t- the song title was I. Make sure you go check that out. Support uh, these artists here. So we are back here, of course, at PVA Studios. We got SDOT. We got Pharaoh. Um, we're going to actually get right into our deep dive. I mean, our reasonably woke. We're going to yeah, get yeah. right into our reasonably woke segment. Stay woke. Stay woke. Yes. Um, this, um, this stay woke segment we want to call Black Masculinity in a White America. And um, I actually came across this um, particular article um, about masculinity. Actually, I'm just trying to pull that up right now. It was in uh, Vice, right? I think it was in Vice, yeah. Yeah, it was in Vice think it was in vice and um it was more or less um conveying the message what would you say s thought more or less conveying the message that so I black mean, men are are shown more or having to grow up earlier and be men earlier yeah i mean he just kind of like recounts his his history as an african-american male and having to kind of grow up in white spaces where he would be constantly harassed for being black and having to like stand up and fight and having to be that strong he was never able to experience any vulnerability i mean as he went to cookouts and as he hung out with other black people it was always you know like you were not allowed to cry you were not allowed to you had to square up and learn how to fight you had to be the strong black male all throughout your life and how that has certain adverse effects especially when you you compile it with the racism in american society so that was kind of the the whole um synopsis and this article is um is by wilbert l cooper um and yeah this was actually on uh vice so the question you know that i wanted to ask and kind of just to get a i don't know a consensus or a poll you know from us here do you guys feel as though you looking back at your childhood do you feel as though you as a young black male had to grow up faster than say your other friends that were that are of a, a different race Farrell asked that anybody for me that's a difficult question because my life started one place and ended up another so i was born in baltimore maryland in the early 90s at a point where people were dying all over the place yeah so i think any child born into an urban environment is going to naturally mature faster and especially have men around him pushing that maturity early on because you're in an environment where being a child is not going to stop you from getting killed that's true okay i can i can understand that and of course that as you were saying that was in baltimore right so yeah, yeah. Inner, so inner city but urban living then i moved from there to the suburbs yeah. of rockland county and that's not at all a context in living yeah yet i would still say that men in my family did they who still, lived up there yeah still carry that mentality not that mentality but they carried an ideal of masculinity and what a man is to be and they pushed that narrative still on me so i would say in not crying it's not that men don't cry it's men are to be strong to be fearless you know we rush for danger so the rest of the tribe can survive so that's the context in which they presented the not crying and not having fear type thing that's i don't thing. think all men or black men get that same well-rounded presentation but they're still getting taught those lessons of not crying and being a stronger man does that make sense no i understand and then well as well actually just you talking about crying then i'm going to go to s dot and um but james baldwin of course in his essay um stating um here be dragons the title um basically stating well in this particular uh, article he brings in james baldwin's essay here be dragons and basically states our community's concept of manhood feeds off the same rigid diametric american ideals that gave birth to the myth uh the mythology of cowboys and indians good and good guys and bad guys punk studs tough guys and softies butch and faggot black and white so it's basically just saying he sees it vividly now when he like realizes you know as you say, like that no cry, that no cry yeah. mentality, the you no know, softness, I'm, no softness. And you're a little man. You're not yeah. like a boy. You don't go through that. But, you're just but a see, little man. That's a thing. I disagree with it. You're okay. a little man because you used to be a little nigger. 
like black people start using the term I can t- okay, my I see man that. I see that. or man yeah. in the jazz culture because the white guys just call us boy. Brother, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we started doing that amongst ourselves. I think time doesn't keep the story alive. I got you. So you still get the practice of it without the context of why. Yeah. So then you can come back years later and reevaluate like, oh, you're saying this because of this. Like, no, boo-boo, I'm saying this because this used to happen. And then just talking about what used to happen, kind of like what does happen, kind of intertwining this into the masculinity of boys and so forth. But uh, I know we spoke about that art, uh, basically that issue that happened in Ohio, um, where that little boy, a biracial boy, he was eight, apparently hung off of a table by uh, members, you know, uh, you know, his, his, you know, what do you want? His classmates. You know, hung off of a table, and apparently it said that he swung two or three times. Uh, you know, off. I think they were saying it was like a table, so I don't. We, we don't know how high it was, but swung two or three times, and of course he had to go. Uh, you know, apparently get surgery. But these boys were, you know, yelling, you know, yelling epithets and stuff. So in this article, I know me and Esther were were um, stating. In the article, he says that you know he had to. He feel he felt like he had to be masculine and you know show his his you know bravado uh, by getting into fights and so forth. Um, so, do you feel as though you guys you know had to masculine I think that's up a little a very, bit? But I think that's a very negative. That's a a bad application of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard call. Like. You're right, and it's not a hundred percent. Does that make sense? I feel you. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I think that as it's, it's funny because when I read this article, I don't know how many young kids like really dive into it and think in that way, like, oh, I have to be the masculine black male, so I have it to could fight be subconsciously. We could know I mean, this subconsciously yeah, as black men. I, the, I guess the way I experience it, and I think like. I think Pharaoh made a good point where he's like it's context, kind of where you at, where you live, what is surrounding you that kind of breeds you into the person that you feel like you have to be. Um, because yeah, like um, like Pharaoh, like when I was younger, I kind of grew up in the I grew up in the suburbs and. Um, without diving too deeply i didn't really have to do anything like that it wasn't really necessary for me to be extra masculine i mean just my mere presence was kind of scary to white people um so like i I didn't like i was always trying to like kind of curve that to make me especially because like when i was little i didn't really understand it so when i got all this negative energy from people i just went to you know fight them back yeah um then after a while i i kind of understood i was like oh let me kind of taper that down like kind of curve that off because i don't want to be seen as the angry black child amongst would, all these other white would people you, would you say because as you say like white people in general i feel as though they 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 look at um and hear the music of that time would you think that they somehow and of course i know that Pharrell was saying this beforehand we were talking about it we're talking about like external what other what the white man you know thinks but this whole conversation is based on the white man's perception of black men i want i think the article is written from a black man yeah but even in his perception of himself it's based on the white man's ideology of what a thug is or what urban is or how much urban means just black and i think that for me is the context that i'll always disagree with Urban to me doesn't mean black. Okay. Black and urban are two different things. That's if true. you grew up We're, in a city, yeah. you urban. Yeah. White urban people are different than suburban white people. White people. Suburban yeah. blacks are different than urban black. Like it's it's a context of environment. But I think what's happened is is white culture has gotten to a point where they have in just tied the two together. Black and urban are one thing. So every black man is a thug from the street corner. Yeah, I mean, and that's a white man's perspective that they pushed in their media and their and version somehow of Hollywood. We envy it, yeah. And now, because we watch TV and are learning more about ourselves from television than books, we are adapting that mentality and self view. I mean, yeah. if you look at the media, the media usually evolves from two places. It evolves from New York and Los Angeles. And so in those areas, you get all the kind of reporting. You get all the kind of um, output into the world of how they see it. So if you're a reporter in New York, you're surrounded by the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Harlem. Those are the black people that you see. and You write about them. You put that out in the world. And since like something like 80% of white people don't know any black people, that is the only way they come in contact with them. Is that through hip-hop? That's a, yeah, that's it's a real it's, fact. It's a real wow. fact. It, I, it was surprising to me. Most people stay very insular. But for African-Americans, since we're only about 15% of the population, 
conversation we have to interact with these other people while they do not have to interact with us and a lot of them don't so the only way they see us is through hip-hop videos and through movies and through how we report it on and they try to take those and put like I'm a very different person than somebody who grew up in the Bronx I grew up in Mount Kisco exactly so like I have a very different experience and I'm nothing like them but like you said they said urban and black they're the same thing they see it as one and the same so they they define black people as one thing instead of giving us the amount of variability and of nuance to our character that they automatically they think we're like monolithic and that's why a lot of white people are confused right now they think we're monolithic because now they're being now what's happened is you had a generation of black kids you have two strong generations of black people achieving higher education so now even though we're only 15 percent of the population there are more of us in other fields and more advanced fields now than we were in the past. So now they're being forced to hear the second opinion, but it disagrees with everything they've learned up until now. Yeah, I mean, I think like nowadays, like back in the day, like you could only see NWA and there was nobody else. Now you have to you have to put together Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, T.I. and Cory Booker. Like they're all black people and they all, all behave very differently. Yeah. And different. you have to look at them. You have to be like. Oh wow, there's like nuance to black culture. They're not this one thing that we can paint as angry black male in the inner city. Exactly. And I you know, I think that's good for people growing up in other areas because like this guy said, like his this masculinity was kind of thrust upon him. This is how African Americans are supposed to act. Yeah. And nowadays you see so many people, I can act like the characters in insecure or I can act like the characters on power. I have these options to do yes. things. And we're not we're not um, keeping ourselves in the box of what we think in the external. Us, it's white it's a it's where you get your exposure like in the early 90s in the late 80s there were a lot of good black tv shows yeah if you were black nine out of ten that's what you watched and grew up on so you can ask people who grew up in those times did they feel represented on tv and they'll tell you yes because they had stations where they had black sitcoms and black televisions like that yeah after that you get the 90s and the BET era where everyone now has access to the internet and more connectivity to each other. So they're going to focus on the commercialized version of everything. Okay. This is a a time problem mixed in with a historical sensation of racism. Mm. I mean, also, like, you do have a... um you have a formula that worked. So, like, if you look at the 80s, I mean, if you looked at the, the hip-hop groups in the 80s, they were they were primarily positive. I mean, like, they just made dance music. They made cool, fun music that you could do whatever yeah, to. Dance, exactly. Early 80s, you have groups like, not early 80s, late 80s, so like 1989, 88, you have groups like NWA coming out yeah. who had that rebel message. And now, when white people saw that, it confirmed the image of what they were looking at. They expected African Americans to behave like that. So all of a sudden they were started buying those records. So they were like NWA is one of the first crossover hip hop groups. Hip hop. Oh, that's true. You know, because white people love them. Because they fit a white perspective they could accept. Right. So when you talk about those positive shows, all of a sudden they saw that negativity was working. Yeah. And negativity would actually get white people to watch The Wire. It'd get white people to watch, you know, NWA and all these kind of um, hip hop groups. Right. So it changes the narrative and changes what you're watching to that kind of perspective. And then, you know, that gets put on African Americans as children. You're looking at that. This is how I'm supposed to act. And you try to behave that way when you know you you you're you're trying to find out what your blackness means to you and how that means you should behave okay and the only other counter image was athletics yeah two major images of black men on tv in the past 30 years pretty much have been athletes yeah yeah, athletes or entertainers entertainers before that yeah you had Civil rights leaders, yeah, doctors, and lawyers. Yeah. You had a bigger d- black philosophers. Yeah, you had a bigger plethora of blackness mm. being shown, and they all spoke on the same term. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's said, changed. Right? There's only one way to make it off the streets: either balling on the courts or banging on beats. Yeah, like yeah, and and yeah. also like entertainment. To, yeah, entertainment or or being an athlete. You also have to think about what was going on at that time because if you look at the late '80s and early '90s, those were the times when mandatory minimums were really coming up, and the crack mm-hmm. epidemic was ravaging the cities. Yeah. So you have this large-scale removal of African American males, African American role models from those communities, which also is a large transfer of wealth because you have these people who cannot make money for their communities and drive that money into there. Had to be raised on media. So they're raised on media and they're made with less money and they're raised with less opportunity. Yeah. So 
they don't have the ability to kind of go to college, go to all these things because they have no money and they're living in these poor places where now you've seen that change to where a lot of these people are able to go to college now. A lot of these people are able to kind of well, make I would out. also say it started before that. You forget what Bill Cosby did. Like, I know people hate him now. Yeah. They, but yeah. it wasn't for Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby's TV shows, like, quadruple show, exactly. the they, number they of black children going, during that going time. to, uh, it's the 80s. Yeah. The 80s and 90s. He quadrupled yeah. Yeah. Quadruple the number of black Fresh people Prince. going to college. Yeah. That generation now is our base for the generation we are. Yeah, right. They based that's us. That's true. They did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they uh, yeah, preceded yeah. us. Because that's that's when my, you went that's to college. There was already it. a history of black people being at your college. Exactly. A legacy to build off, especially if you joined a fraternity or something. You saw that the '90s and '80s was really when black <laughs> people in college must have been popping. I mean, I even like think about. I even think about how like the music changed from like the 1990s to like the the mid 2000s, where like in the 1990s it was like Wu Tang Clan, it was like Tupac and Biggie and all these like really hard groups. Yep. Then like if you look at the the early to mid 2000s, it was like Kanye West, the dance crew, like yeah, like it was all these kind of like it was like getting money instead of being a gangster. Like yeah. the getting money thing was was cooler. Was more cooler than being the gangster yeah than being the, the gangster. Word. Like think about like in the mid 1990s, could you ever come out with a track that says i don't write rhymes i write checks yeah no like, no, no, no they would have like nobody would have respected you yeah. right but when diddy was doing it in the 2000s they were like oh wow because that was the mentality yeah. like i need to go get this money i need to go so like i think now when you have like barack obama and that was part of the reason why i thought we needed an african-american president so that people would have a different role model to look at so now people look at barack obama they look at Issa, you know um creating her show they look at all yeah. these kind of college educated um entertainers and wealthy individuals who did it that way and i think that will inspire the next generation to really be able to shed oh yeah but what was being thrust it, upon them so basically it, it with the bat, so, them. look yeah. at young black kids today yeah young black kids under the age of 15 have a completely different mentality than black kids 25 to 35 they grew up with nothing but a black president they grew up with nothing <laughs> but yeah. their image of what's possible is completely different than ours. there's no what if I mean, even if they you, know it's possible, even if you look at white children, right? Like their perception of a president right now is eight years of this great, of, phenomenal, yeah. beloved black president. Cool guy. And then this bumbling bumblefuck of a president in Trump. And they're like, they're going to look at black people differently than people before them whose only image was like, old dirty bastard. You know, even like you, yeah. you already have old white guys saying, I think the black guy was much better. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really agree yeah. with anything he was doing, but, but I think he was I just a lot better. Take him yeah. back over what I got now. Yeah. Even white guys are starting. So you, we've definitely changed the imagery. Yeah, yeah. We changed it. That's why I was like. So but to me, that's Barack Obama's biggest accomplishment for black yeah. people. Just changing the imagery. So it's fair to say at this point in time that black masculinity, when we were growing up, was. We grew up in the 90s, though. Look yeah. what the so example that was of masculinity what? was. Yeah. What for would you say? What would you say? Being tough, being a thug. Ready yeah. to have, like, that's but just now. It's not that now. It's not that now. Because masculinity in, in general is at, is at war. Yeah. Like, if you talk to men across all races that are straight, they will tell you that their boys are being feminized. Like, there's a revolution right like, now. Like, I don't care if they're white, black, Spanish. There's some secret war out there to feminize our boys. Mm. That's oh, a, to the older to the, the older, older yeah. male generation. Yeah. yeah. 40 and older believe that without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, but... In context of how we change, like there's no real point to be that masculine nowadays. That's yeah, I mean, really what happened. You don't need to stick somebody up to rob them. You just need to be good with computers. <laughs> like we've changed the context Shit. of crime. So in changing the context of crime, you base that's what you really were basing masculinity off of. Yeah, cowboys and Indians, cowboys and Indians, people doing said, yeah. just reckless shit. Yeah. So you've changed. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at kind of like the idols nowadays, like the idols are like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, um, Steve Jobs, all yeah. these kind of people who nerds. weren't like, Elon Musk, yeah, they yeah. weren't tough guys. They weren't nerds. They were nerds. Yeah. Got so like, in school, all of them. Yeah. So now if you look at it, you're like, oh, wait, which one is the real tough guy? This asshole who's at the gym yelling or, you know, I'm saying um, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, like Diddy said, you know, it doesn't matter if I write rhymes, I write checks. So now it's about the business aspect. It's about yeah, like what you can do to... to if I can get rich, Secure if I can the make back. money, and Secure now the back. with all this coding and how everything is so, uh, you know, digitized nowadays, yeah. it's, digital, it's the mind that's really the the strength. If it's you have good. mind, if you have money, you have strength. Okay. <laughs> look, look. I always tell people the problem is that that version of masculinity works for a man who lives more in in connection with nature. 
we don't live with nature no more. Mm. Even men 50 years ago had to deal with nature more than we have to deal with nature today. In what way, shape, or form? More animals running around, more shit in their backyards, more fucking diseases they didn't understand. Like, they had more fear of nature, so you needed that more masculine. Ah, we don't have that now. The technology is too great. We fucking put nature in her place, and now she sends us hurricanes. And we're like, all right, bitch, we're gonna rebuild <laughs> like after Maria. you flood this shit. <laughs> all right, <laughs> flood Harvey. some more shit. We're yeah. gonna rebuild some more. Like, we don't get it, bro. It's just a new world. I think the context is a, we're having an old world conversation and a new world environment. All right. So we can say that this article, it has some context. Well, it has contextual. I think the one question I would ask is. After reading the article, I didn't agree with him. I would want to raise my young boys to be not boys who cry when they have a problem, who suck it up and figure out a solution instead of fucking tears roll down their face. Okay. I disagree with the psychologists on that soft bullshit when raising guys. Okay. I don't think you can maintain civilization off of it long term. That's that. Yeah, I don't. Um, it wasn't even like I didn't agree with them. It was just more like I think that. So, so one thing that kind of uh, annoys me, and I, I don't know if it's like liberal culture that does this or like anybody who really does this, but people just love to kind of make something the opposite. So like while masculinity being strong and being able to, you know, um, you know, being tough and not crying ever, now they're like, oh, the masculine thing is to cry, you know, the masculine thing is to be feminine. Which I don't know if that makes much sense. Yeah. So like, it, so like, when you look at him and him being able to cry, like I was glad he was able to cry when witnessing Emmett Till's yeah, casket. casket. He did. You know, say like that, yeah. that is something yeah. you should be able to cry. But yeah. I don't know if teaching somebody to cry every time they hit or every time, you know, something bad happens. I don't know if that's like a good thing. I mean, it's good to be in touch with your emotions and understand that you are sad about something. But yeah. I don't know if kind of just like sitting there crying about down. it is a yeah. great thing. And it may be just me not being that much of an emotional person, but. I, I don't know how much that helps you. No, Do you I think feel I'm like pretty, that has been... No, I think I'm pretty emotional, and I just also agree with you, Estelle. Like, it's oh, not okay. helpful. Like, I don't like te- breaking down and crying, whether you're emotional or not, it's not going to solve your problems. So I was about to say, fuck up yeah. And get out there and solve your fucking problem with less tears and more work. As they say, life life is uh, life is hard. Yeah, I mean... Is, but tough times make tough people. There you go. Yeah, and I, I, would, I would give that advice to anybody. I would give that advice to, like, a daughter yeah, that yeah, had it. Like, exactly, you, you know, yeah. like Definitely my you, daughter's... Don't be out here crying over these little boys. Yeah, yeah. fuck these. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. These fuck boys. Fuck yeah. them. Get yeah. your grades up. Tears are a waste of your time, baby. Fuck you bitches. Feel, get money, bitch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Steve talks to his daughters. <laughs> I think at one point <laughs> when they're older, I probably will do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, so we're gonna get out of here, Farrell. What can you leave our listeners with? Leave the people with until we meet the next time. Uh, I I think that we reached a point in our society where everyone wants to change things that seem very traditional, but not all traditions are bad. And we need to focus on changing traditions that are based out of forms of oppression and not traditions that are based out of forms of standards. Mm. And I think it's very hard, but we have to be sure we're clear on what's the difference between the two. That's the... Um, yeah, if I could go off that even, just like um, understanding... Um, don't letting like a word poison all the actions within it right so like i understand the idea of toxic masculinity being a bad thing but everything masculine isn't wrong just because it has masculinity kind of as an umbrella term for it so so being strong you know not crying over everything um you know really trying to work towards solutions i I don't see that as a bad thing so what you have to do is kind of look at yourself not through the lens of how other people want to view you as you're an african-american male therefore you act this way and really just try to look at all the good that's coming from everybody and try to Incorporate all those things into your life. So don't live by the standards somebody else gives you. Live by the standards that you feel are correct for you. Yeah. So it's and my thing is um and just to actually give the listeners before I say something um the title is crying at the foot of Emmett Till's coffin um and this of course is by uh, Wilbert L Cooper and this was on Vice um so just to kind of piggyback off of all of um Essa and Pharaoh is just to you know, know yourself. Um, at this point in time, it's not about um, ancient proverb. 
there you go uh no like know yourself be more self-centered um you know and and more grounded and rooted in yourself um of course you know us as black people be more grounded in you know in 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 your culture you know um so that you know you don't think about what somebody else is trying to tell you what external you know forces are uh are subliminally telling you to do um so that's that again this is a get up podcast hope you learned something as i always say get up get out and get something deuces boom boom